Hello and welcome to another episode of the YXE Sports Podcast. I don't even know what day it is. I think it's March 8th. So we'll just say for the week of March the 8th, uh, welcome to, like I said, the YXE Sports Podcast. Looking over my left outside my window in my home office, home studio, hardly a studio, but that's what I'm going to call it. It's still light outside for six o'clock. So we have that going for us. The days are definitely getting longer here in Saskatchewan and that's something worth celebrating today is International Women's Day as well so a huge shout out to women around the globe uh, that continue to do great things of course thanks to everybody for watching on the Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar Facebook page the YXE Sports Podcast Facebook page everybody that's watching on No YXE on YouTube and everybody that is listening to the audio version of this podcast It seems weird that so much sports action, sports news can happen over the past week, but that's exactly what has happened since we met last week, since I last talked to you. Of course, last week we talked to Ray Morrison and Daniela Ponticelli. Since then, the Huskies women's hockey team are going to the finals. They are going to the Canada West finals. They're going to be facing the UBC Thunderbirds this weekend in Vancouver. So a big shout out, a big kudos to them. Um, the basketball teams, both men's and women's, are doing great things. There's some other stuff going on on campus in regards to that that we're going to get into a little bit later on in the show. And to join us to talk about that and also talk about the MLB lockout is somebody who has had the pleasure of working with my old man and then later myself. Linda Walker joins us also from Saskatoon. Linda, I don't know if it's necessarily a pleasure to work with both of us. I feel like one of us is enough, so I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, thanks for joining us here today. Uh, no, it's it's been all kinds of giggles uh, working <laughs> with each one of you, Matt, and for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, you don't lose your car keys the way your dad uh, used to, <laughs> and I, I think he still does, actually. But uh, no, no, always, always a pleasure. I'm trying to figure out how I can do a game or work with Adam. Yeah, because I haven't, haven't yeah. had that uh, pleasure of, of doing that. So I'll, I'll have to figure, I may have to kick your dad out of the uh, the football broadcast booth and maybe take over for a game in the fall when uh, when you're busy. Well, exactly. There you go. Linda, uh, one of the sports that you're incredibly passionate about, obviously, is Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there is not much to talk about in the way of Major League Baseball, except for the fact that there is a lockout. Why don't you just kind of take us through what the past couple of months uh, has been like, how this lockout came to be, and kind of where we stand? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I had to look at my calendar today, Matt, because in all honesty, I thought we were back in 1994, and I thought maybe we should start reworking Prince's song 1999 and and go back to 1994. Now that was August 12, 1994. Players went on strike, but Sealy did next to nothing to attempt to get two sides together. And for the first time ever in Major League Baseball history, and there have been a lot of disputes in Major League Baseball. You go back to the the early 70s, there's quite a chronology there. There was no World Series. And it wasn't until the court ordered the players and the teams, the owners to, "Let's, let's get it together, guys, and ordered the owners to open up the gates that, we had training camp and 1995, we, we got back to, to Major League Baseball. So, you know, that that is still a sore spot for all baseball fans. And not just because of how the Expos were doing. And I won't talk about that missing World Series, but I do have on. my. Uh, see, I can never get the camera thing right here. Yeah. This is my Montreal Expos uh, sweater because I figure we might be talking some hockey as well, Matt. So I yeah. wanted to be prepared. But 
basically, early in the new year, the two sides came together to work out a collective uh, bargaining agreement. Now, when the owners came to the table, they set a deadline that, you know, if we don't have a deal by today, there's going to be a lockout. Now, I have a lot of issues when sides come to a bargaining table and you immediately set that that kind of a date. And it, it puts pressure on the other side. And I think they thought that maybe the baseball players would, would acquiesce to what the owners want to do. And the players haven't. And I don't see them doing it. And in fact, as some of the stuff I'm reading today, there's probably grounds as this goes on that the players will be able to take the owners to court on unfair labor practice in this. So there are some agreements, but obviously the big ones are concerning money. Now, according to Associated Press, the players' salaries have decreased four straight years, dropping by 6.4% to from 4.45 million in 2017 to 4.17 million on opening day 2021. And that's due to the competitive balance tax or the luxury tax, as it's known. So the players would like to change the amount where that tax comes into effect. The owners, of course, want to lower it so that, you know, they can they can come up with more money. Now, teams are making money. Let's let's not cry poverty as owners are wont to do, which which is another thing that drives me crazy because they'll cry poverty and then sign some guy who had a month of good hitting to like these multi-million dollar multi-year contracts. Well, I'm sorry, if you're broke, like, what are you doing? You know, there's just not a lot of logic to what the owners do at times. So I have a problem with that. Now, the Atlanta Braves, their earnings from 2021, and we can get this number because they are owned by a publicly traded company. So, or public company rather, $568 million profit. Well, that, that's, you got I think you'd agree with me, Matt. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. You know? No one's yeah. offered me $568 million, although I can't think of a reason why they would. So this is, this is a problem. Now, the players also say it's not just necessarily about the bucks in the pocket for the players on this one. Because what they're saying is this tax discourages competition and it incentivizes reliance on younger, lower paid players. So I mean, guys are thinking, you have to think about your job in these talks. So right now, the two sides are on other matters. They're $55 million apart in demands for a newly established pre-arbitration bonus pool and 25000 apart in minimum salary expectations. Now, here's another one. Matt, I'm glad you're sitting down. Major League Baseball takes in approximately $11 billion in annual revenue. That, that's, that's a pretty good chunk of change. So I think there is a little more room for the owners to give a little bit to the players here. Well, the live sports podcast, sorry to cut you off. I just want to get to the the poll results that uh, we ran on social media. So the YXC sports podcast, of course, we did run a poll. Um, Who do you support? 46% of people support the owners or the players rather 31% of people um, 
support the owners and 23% of us just want to see some baseball yeah. back. And uh, we were talking about the poll before we went live here. And you said that that's actually a little bit different than the 1994-1995 lockout. Yeah, because I think mainly because the players did call the strike and were the ones mm. who, who made it happen. And, it, you know, there's always lots mm. of argument over what got them to that point and did the owners, you know, kind of keep nudging until they, they went out the door, you know, you keep poking the bear. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of the opposite in 94, 95, more people supported the owners and targeted the players uh, for their anger over baseball being, uh, having to be canceled. So it's interesting how the mindset has changed in the 27 years that, that we've gone by since the last time we had uh, had this kind of a situation. Now, I think the owners learned something from that in nobody wants to see a World Series get canceled again. That's where your highest revenues are coming in in any sport as soon as you hit the playoffs because your ticket prices go up. More people want to come to the game. It's, you know, it they're fantastic revenue makers. So, that they learned. So instead, come back to the table, set your lockout for the opening of spring training. And okay, so you're canceling the first couple of series of the regular season. There, there's not a lot of money being lost there because in a number of the markets, spring's a little chilly. We're all wusses. <laughs> and, and many don't want to go and, and be cold watching baseball. Yeah. It's it's a summer sport. So um, they're, they're not losing necessarily all that much. Now, the real losers in this are the people who work at the stadiums. Yeah. And I, what concerns me now is the players are looking to raise a million dollars to distribute to all these folks to help them get by while they wait for baseball to start. Well, now the owners apparently are going to do the same kind of fundraising. That says to me this this could be a long one before we actually see the players back on the field again matt and and you and i having a chance to discuss why the washington nationals should be expelled and come back <laughs> to montreal <laughs> well that's the, and that's, that's the other thing too right originally it was supposed to be the tampa bay rays and then uh they, yeah. they kind of announced that they were going to put the kibosh bosh on that uh, a while back. Uh, another topic of the lockout has kind of been, you know, pace of play and that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. A lot has been made about how you can kind of get the younger generation of baseball yes. fans to watch baseball. A lot of them, you know, do think it's boring. So, um, you know, amongst some of the things that both sides have agreed on yes. uh, for the 2022 and 2023 season is a pitch clock, yep. banning the shift and bigger bases, and uh, the pitch clock and the banning of the shift makes sense. But the bigger bases, I guess, uh, might be an, at- an attempt from what I've read um, at, um, you know, that would kind of help the amount of steals, right? Because the base it, would, it would help bigger. the amount of steals. The other, the other thing they're hoping it will prevent, Matt, is injuries. Yeah. From, you know, there, there's tons of collisions at second base, third, especially yep. home plate. Mm-hmm. So, and, and how many guys have we seen go down with, uh, well, I'm just going to go way, way back to Damaso Garcia, breaking his leg, playing for the Blue Jays, sliding into home base on a, on a close play. And certainly there, there's a lot more instances of that yes. happening since uh, Garcia was playing. And so hopefully that would, would reduce some of that. Now, it's not a huge increase. It's, it's 
to me, I think it sounds reasonable. So right now the bases are 15 inches square. They're going to make them 18 inches square. So I'm guessing somewhere somebody has studied this. They fiddled around with sizes, and this this is what they come up with. And I I think it's an excellent idea. I really I really like all three of those changes. I like the banning of the shift one. Well, the banning of the shift. Yeah, you're going to get more hits. Yeah. And you know that's that's what we all want to see. As much as we all love no hitters, that's not what we're tuning in to see every single night. We're tuning in to see see the big bats uh, go to work. Well, and to the naked eye, right, you know, watching at home on TV, you're not probably not going to notice a, a base go from 15 inches to 18 inches, yeah. really, right? And who knows? I mean, I'm assuming that the players, they're all professional athletes. They've all been playing baseball for, you know, all of their lives. It's going to be a quick adjustment, yeah. uh, you know, for them to get used to these bigger bases. How much blame, and, you know, this is a guy, as in any sport with any lockout, the commissioner, the top dog mm-hmm. is always of focus and uh, definitely not short of criticism. How much blame uh, do you put on MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred for this? A ton. Mm-hmm. All of it, actually. Yeah. The, the commissioner is responsible for finding ways to get the sides to be reasonable and come together. And, hey, if that means you got to walk into the meeting and knock a couple of heads together, then then that's what you have to do. But, no, the, the I, I put a lot, I put all the blame on on Rob Manford. I, I really do, and he's just more and more reminding me of Bud Selig, and and that's ah, not a good thing. Yeah, no, and that's the other thing too, right? I mean, you look at how long Bud ran the league, and now how long yeah. Rob, you know, ran the league. It might be time to, if you want a young generation, a new generation of fans, mm-hmm. it might be time to kind of out with the old. In with the new type of thing. Yeah. Um, well, and, and somewhere there, there needs to be a shift in, in attitude amongst the yeah. owners. You know, we're, we're not back in the days where Andy Messerschmidt went to court to be able to have arbitration for players and, and to have free agency. You know, that, that's a long, long time ago. And any young baseball players who are and fans who are watching right now probably Andy who? What? <laughs> so, but no, he, he his, his name popped into my, I haven't thought of him in, in I don't know how many years, but uh, popped into my head today thinking about, you know, all the, the uh, aspects of, of this lockout, you know, between the money and, you know, changing everything up. And I, and I think it's time for the owners to, to get into the 21st century. I, I really do. Opening day was scheduled for March 31st. Obviously, that's yeah. not going to happen. We're not yeah. sure when it's going to happen, but uh, all we can hope for is that the MLB lockout gets resolved soon. Of course, this is the YXE Sports Podcast, as it is every single Tuesday, and we are still sponsored by the same great sponsor in Wendell Clark's classic grill and bar on the corner of Circle and Idlewild in Saskatoon. You can't go down to watch any MLB, but you can go down to watch NHL. You can go down to watch NBA, and as soon as the MLB gets going, you'll be able to head down there to enjoy some nachos, some fries, a cold beverage uh, at Wendell Clark's Classic Grill and Bar once again on the corner of Circle and Idlewild in Saskatoon. Uh, shifting a little bit to some more local sports, Linda. Yeah. Uh, Husky Athletics, obviously it's playoff time for a lot of the sports involved mm-hmm. in Husky Athletics, pretty much all of them with the exception all of them. Football, yes. which obviously ended back in uh, November, but um, some big news uh, on the basketball front. But I want to start with the hockey front. Obviously, that's where you spent a lot of your time in the broadcast yes. booth at Merlis Belcher Place. Uh, first of all, what did you make of uh, the women's run that they're on? And secondly, what do you make of uh, the men's early exit, an exit that uh, the men really haven't yeah. seen for quite some time? 
No, I, I can't remember the last time that the men's team went out uh, in the opening round of the playoffs and at home. Mm-hmm. I, that just, yeah, I, I would have to go back or make a phone call to Dave Adolph and say, hey, what can you remember when? Yeah, no, what happened with the men's team was too many injuries. They, they simply ran out of bodies that they could put on the ice. And even the opening game, uh, Tate Olson. One of their D-men got injured. And so then you're you're flip-flopping. Wyatt Johnson, I feel really bad for Wyatt Johnson. This was his fifth year. He's had a lot of injury problems. He did in junior as well. And he went out near the end of the season uh, after a hard hit into the boards. And we, we were never told exactly what the injury was, but he was unable to play in the playoffs. And boy, you know, your, your final year, I mean, you, you really want to be out on the ice, obviously, and playing. And, and I feel really bad that he lost that opportunity because he certainly has been, he's a Mike Babcock kind of player. You know, he's gritty, not afraid to go into the corners, not afraid to be in front of the net. He'll lay out a guy with a, with a clean hit and just a, just an all around leader for, uh, for this hockey team. But the problem was just, you know, it almost looked like there were more guys on the not playing list, Matt, than what we had playing for, for the Huskies. And so, you know, Mike was really cobbling uh, the team together. So that that's really what, what happened there was. And, and I don't want to take away from the Dinos, you know, because the Dinos played their system to perfection. And they had an excellent weekend. And here's one for you. This is the first time the Dinos have won a playoff series on the road. Wow. And they're in their entire history. I mean, that's, that's a lot of Dino hockey that that's gone on, but uh, yeah, no. So, you know, I guess it's one of those, you know, all, all good things come to an end. And for the Huskies, it was a long run in the the playoffs, like we're used to seeing. So, you know, hopefully next year, you know, we don't know Mike Babcock's plans. He's, He's got to talk to his wife and think about the season. I'm sure he wants to talk to his assistant coaches as well mm-hmm. and see what they think. But I can't think he's that this would be the way he would want to leave the Husky hockey program, you know. So yeah. if I were betting, I don't know if Mike's watching, but uh, I, I think we might get a second season out of Mike Babcock. And, and that would be fun to uh, to see what he can do. Now He's he's got a taste of what, Canada West hockey is like now versus the early nineties when he had his stint with the Lethbridge Pronghorns and in the ACAC with, uh, with the Red Deer college. Well, and certainly, you know, you look at Mike's post game comments from that game three, you know, and that was a question that was asked was what's your plan Mm -hmm. for next year. And he said, well, I'm not sure, but what I'm focused on right now is recruiting and getting some players here. So, you know, when he kind of says something like that, it kind of makes you think, Oh, well, if he's planning to recruit, you never know, right? But uh, and then obviously the women uh, have done a fantastic job, and yeah. uh, they're uh, obviously have booked their ticket to nationals out east in PEI, and uh, an opportunity to claim a Canada West championship out in Vancouver this weekend. Uh, you know what? They have played so well on the road uh, these two weekends, and I think they have not beaten Manitoba all season. Yeah, and I think what really helped them going into that first round was that. The last weekend of the regular season, they were in Manitoba, which and it's it's a horrible barn, the Wayne Flum. It, it's yeah. a terrible, terrible. Yeah. You think you think Rutherford was bad, and it was, but so you know, it, 
I think that gave them a bit of an advantage and in their mindset because, you know, you, it was just the weekend before you were in and, you know, you're going to remember how the pucks bounce off the boards and, you know, the diff- different aspects about the ice and, you know, what, what you could do in certain spots. Because, you know, with ice, Matt, you played hockey that, yep. you know, sometimes that there's certain parts of the ice are better for passing, shooting from versus others. You know, it gets a little chippy in spots. So I really think that helped them going back into Manitoba so soon. And I'll tell you, Cameron Drever. Yeah, boy, amazing. Oh boy, yep. she is just having a fantastic playoff and, you know, going back to Alberta to play. I mean, she had her whole family there. She's from Edmonton and having a chance, you know, playing Mount Royal in Calgary and they all came and she had her cheering section and boy, oh boy, she has, she has really stepped up her play. But all of that with the team really started happening in the second half of the season. What I noticed was, seem to be more buy-in because mm-hmm. this is a very, very young team as, as a lot of the teams in Canada West are because missing that season from COVID, a lot of players didn't come back. Uh, they moved on. And so you could just see where they really started to gel and come together. They, they were getting it, how things work in, in the league and, and on the team, how, you know, to play with the different players Bailey Barassa finally was able to get that albatross off her neck and start it scoring like we've seen her do in, in her previous four seasons in Canada West. And they really, really got on a roll. And, and boy, it was fun to watch. No, absolutely. We are running a little short on time, but I did want to touch on the basketball, both programs. Yes. Obviously, the women's continuing to have a bunch of success <laughs> under Lisa Tomitis. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've come to uh, expect. But uh, it was announced Yesterday, late last night, mm-hmm. uh, Barry Rollick, head coach of the Huskies men's basketball team, has resigned from his position as head coach right in the middle of a playoff race. The initial story was it was due to potentially some offensive music being played um, at practice. But, you know, what do you kind of make of that situation? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah. There, I think there's more going on here. Um Offensive music at one practice, and no, it shouldn't have happened. And I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying that he should have been let off the hook per se, but one practice, I don't know what the music was. And maybe that's part of why he was initially put on administrative leave and then over the weekend handed in his resignation. So you know, I, I, when I saw Chad Jacobson was, on, was handling the bench for the weekend, I kind of wondered what was going on. Where's Barry? Why isn't Barry in Lethbridge for this this qualifying round? What's going on? And this is what was going on. So I think there's more to the story. I don't know if you and I are, are going to be able to find out or, you know, the Husky Athletics will keep quiet to respect Barry's privacy. But I think with Barry resigning, there'll be no investigation because he's gone. Yeah. You know, what What are you going to do? And And... I, you know, I, I, I tend to think that Barry's decision to resign was also so the players could focus on the playoffs and not about this incident and being questioned about it and thinking about it. So, yeah, I, it, it really is too bad. He, he's had a pretty successful career with the Huskies, taken the three national championships, and so whatever, whatever's going on, the players seem to have been able to put it behind them, and now they're they're going to Canada West Final Four, which is tremendous because they're. Again, second half of the season, boy, they really 
have come together as a, as a really tight unit. So well, yeah. And Chad Jacobson has been working under Barry for a long time. A yeah. lot of years. Chad has also had some experience with the Rattlers as well. So, um, you know, unfortunate what had happened to Barry and, you know, why he resigned. But I think that the Huskies men's team will be in pretty good hands with Chad yeah. Jacobson. So, uh, Linda, thanks so much uh, for joining me yes. here this week on the YXE Sports Podcast. And uh, let's hope we can get this MLB thing figured out here sooner than later. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed, and maybe, maybe down the road, there's another return to uh, Montreal for Major League Baseball. But uh, Linda Walker, once again, thanks so much. That wraps things up for this week's episode of the YXE Sports Podcast. A big thanks to all the viewers, all the listeners, all of your continued support, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>